0: Educators Amplified, the podcast.
1: Educators Amplified, Educators Amplified, where we amplify educators' voice, amplify students' experience, amplify well being, amplify hope, amplify what's really going on in our public schools, amplify solutions to restore the education profession, amplify new possibilities. I'm Joanna and I'm Hallie. We see you, we hear you, we are you. Educators Amplified,
0: the podcast.
1: Okay, welcome to Educators Amplified. Welcome back, everyone. We see you, we hear you, we are you. Oh, we are you. <laughs> I'm feeling that. We are you.
0: I keep saying, what are you feeling? (laughs) Well, I told you I'm tired.
1: It's, it's, it's after school. Right. And I'm tired. Well, and it's for us the end of the week after school. (laughs) (laughs) We were the ones who decided to
0: record now though. Right, right, right. My Friday night, (laughs) 7 p.m. bedtime, feeling it.
1: Right. Oh, but yeah. But at the same time, it's funny because when we left school today, we were like, oh, I'm feeling clear. I'm feeling confident. Yep. Right. So part of me, I get it. You know, you you get a little slump, but I do feel like Right. We've been really hearing from people. We've really been, a lot of people have been reaching out. A lot of people have been connecting with us and in all really positive ways, Mm -hmm. which is super exciting. So Mm
0: -hmm. I keep saying the allies are aligning. There's been lots to feel worried, sad, concerned about, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But even in that, I'm like, right, we're getting a lot of good contacts and by allies aligning, I mean like people who are really concerned about students and
1: our schools and themselves and people from all over you mm-hmm. know from inside the school outside the school in varying positions and I guess levels of power so it's been really nice to be feel really connected. I'll also shared that you know for our, I've really been able to adopt like a new mentality even at school sometimes that helps me of being more of an observer than getting like emotionally attached to some of the things that we have to experience, you know, like in meetings or.
0: Oh, yeah, that's my go to. I mean, I do enjoy it, but it is also a strategy of mine of like approach it like a researcher yeah, I'm, I'm just observing, I'm researching, I'm taking notes. what What am I finding here?
1: Yeah, so I think that's where our clarity and confidence is coming from. What I want to get at is if you've seen on our Instagram or Facebook page, again, we're at Educators Amplified on both platforms, we've been trying to blast out this survey to be like, please, we want to hear from you educators out here. Um, And so it's been really nice to get a response back, to hear from people. And I encourage, if you haven't done the survey, you still can. We're going to talk about what we've found so far. But again, we want to hear all of you. We want to be able to amplify. So on this survey, it's real simple. How long have you been in education? What position do you hold in education? Are you considering leaving? And the options were yes, maybe, no, or other. And then just open box of why. And Mm. it's completely anonymous. Um, You can add your email at the end if you want to. But we found it really important. I just kind of want to clarify. I found it really important to leave the open box. I think so many times, or I know when we get these, I mean, we are surveyed to death. So part of me was a little nervous to send out a survey Mm -hmm. because I'm like, right, we are. Are these real? Do they really matter? Right. Or because we're surveyed, 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 for nothing to happen. Sure. Um, And then in the surveys, I always feel that we get, they're very contrived Mm -hmm. and very like, you know, they ask a question and I'm like, none of these answers I agree with or mm-hmm. identify with, mm-hmm. and I have to pick one. Right, there's no box. There's no open box. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "All right, let's open box it. Tell me, tell me, <laughs> tell me what you want to say." Um, and so, right in this preliminary first round of getting responses, I'll just cut right to it. <sighs> Not shocking to me, but maybe I shouldn't say that. But it was 80 80 80% of respondents are seriously considering and or yes they are leaving the profession at the end of this year.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not good. No. <laughs> not at all. And that's no BS.
0: No. That's the other thing. I'm like you have no reason to be inflating it. Like that's real. Yes. In years past we were kind of accused of like BSing and bluffing. Mm-hmm. I've been in those situations where it was like, well, where else are you going to go? Mm-hmm. What else are you going to mm-hmm. do? Facts, words said to professionals.
1: Yeah. This is real. Yeah. And it's very real because we are in the middle of a teacher exodus and then we're still in it. Yes, I realize people are teaching now. This is, again, I keep saying we're sounding the alarm. And here's one way to do it. of The survey says so far 80% of respondents are like, I'm seriously considering it or I have they made the decision. I'm leaving. Yeah, this could
0: be the version of the doomsday clock. But this is kind of a version of that where it's like, okay, we've been tracking this exodus movement mm-hmm. for years. And now, yeah, I guess we're at our two minutes to midnight because that 80% number is significantly higher than it would have been at, at the beginning of the year even, I believe.
1: Yep. So... I want people to sit with that. But then let me get into why. Let me amplify why people are saying that they're seriously considering or wanting to leave. Because I do want to give a caveat that whenever someone does leave, what I always hear is like, oh, they got a they got a different opportunity. They're moving to another state. Their husband said they didn't have to work anymore. You know what I mean? Like, they're always like, they got this really great opportunity to do something else. Do you get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like, the reasons. There's a reason given, but it's not what's actually the reality. Right. So there were four main reasons that people want to leave. One of them was too many responsibilities is kind of how I categorized it, where it was just like, there's just so much that is asked for teachers to do that it
0: Oh yeah, I I was telling you about that the other day at the staff meeting where I it just captured it for me the range of what it was because it was it ranged from like maybe let's acknowledge some things about each other to hear some pretty serious health information you need to know about health mm. equipment and health plans to You're an ACT proctor, and here's all the rules that ACT has for you. Mm -hmm. I remember feeling that, being Mm -hmm. like, zing, 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 zing. Okay, I'm an educator. I really do know how to, like, meet the needs of the kids in the classroom, design learning, assess learning, and... This is part of it. So when I hear people say responsibilities, there's a lot of responsibilities Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. are just outside of the main role Mm -hmm. of educating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I really heard in it, too, the whole, like, let's say you work an eight-hour day. The amount of things that a teacher or someone in education is responsible for can't fit in the eight hours. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, it would be impossible That's how people are feeling Mm -hmm. and expressing. Another reason people want to leave was just the political landscape, just feeling not valued. Obviously, we see the things in the news or what school boards are saying, what parents are saying. Like, they're just like, it's just too much to handle. You get what I'm saying?
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because it is, it's, it's. It it feels like under attack because it's heavy, it's pressure, and none of it is we love you and we think you're doing oh, yeah. great things it's and we const- want to support you. <laughs>
1: it's constant scrutiny. Yeah. And I'll even feel that way too, where it's like you're talking with people about school and everyone talks like they're the expert mm-hmm. of like what should be going on in the school. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of struck me where as a teacher, I'm like, huh, I could be in a group of people and we can be talking about education, but there is no like, oh, hey, you're the trained professional in education. What do you think? Mm-hmm. You know, like everyone's like, no, I deserve an opinion because my child's there. I mm-hmm. deserve opinion because I've been to school. So, you know what I think? Remember, that was my <laughs>
0: phrase I used to say all the time. It would be like, you can say it whenever, but someone else would just bust in with like, well, I think. Right. And I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Another reason was being really frustrated with administration. I mean, that one came out a lot.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I'll read some. I'll amplify some. This is totally anonymous, but I mean over and over, just reading things like, here's one. One thing that hit me pretty hard this year are these plans that administrators make for the district that they then present to the community. However, teachers were not consulted, and the administrators turned around and told us to figure out how to make this work with zero support, resources, or guidance of the end goal. The fact that administrators do not trust teachers' decisions on what is best for their students and allow teachers to deviate from the curriculum a bit to meet the needs of their students really is frustrating. Also, shaming teachers for having students in interventions, it boils down to the lack of support from district office. Like, comment after comment after comment about how decisions are made without teacher input. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Perspective. I was sharing that with someone recently. Um, Just that where I'm like, you know, a definition of marginalization is the lack of legal authority or institutional control. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, well, that's been pretty apparent to me. And right. So educators Lack legal authority and institutional control within our own profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really,
1: sit with that. Right. I do think that's crazy for people to think about. That, like, the students I work with in front of me, as the professional in the room, I don't have a voice in the decision that's made on what I'm teaching them. hmm Whoa.
0: hmm
1: That's real. hmm well, and it's really
0: a reason that people are eyeing up the exits.
1: Here's another good one I want to amplify. I've never been more stressed out than I have been the last three years. We as teachers do not have any voice in educating our students. Schools are out of control. Well, again, I can comment on them all. <laughs> I really can.
0: And just right. be like, I keep, I keep coming back to that where I'm like, okay, is anybody happy? I'm like, the kids aren't happy. The teachers aren't happy. The parents aren't happy. Mm-hmm. The administration's not happy. Mm-hmm. The school board's not happy. Nobody's happy. So what a why do what why mm-hmm. do we keep doing what we're doing? I know. Is happiness that elusive? I don't think so.
1: Obviously I'm gonna think about, you know, everyone is stressed out and everyone's dysregulated. We're yeah. making decisions from dysregulated places. Yeah. And I think we're trying to hold on to what once was because it's the only thing we can grab onto because it's hard to be creative when you're dysregulated. Yeah. So there is just that. And I just think overall, people were just like, the job has changed. I'm leaving because this is not what I went into. You know, the job has changed, whether I can't make decisions, whether there's too much work, whether I need my voice at the table. They're just like, the job has changed. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who would want to be a teacher.
0: Well, and that is the whole, we're really lacking the internal Mm -hmm. reward. You know, the externals are pretty oppressive. And so that does make it harder to get to that internal fulfillment.
1: Yeah, You know, something else that came up that I just want to make clear, just I guess point blank say it, is, you know, someone said something like, there's this model of quote-unquote inclusivity that they have pushed in their area, in their district, um, for schools to follow. And everyone should be in the large group class, and magically everyone succeeds with this one-size-fits-all way of teaching. And in reality, many kids aren't actually getting what they need. Okay, so this Mm -hmm. came out, too, and I've been hearing people, I just really want to share with people that, and this person did say where they were from, and I know I'm in a different district, and I know I talked to lots of other people, like this is happening everywhere, that there is just this concerted effort of standardization. Mm -hmm. And so it really is teach one size fits all. There is a unconscious belief that the curriculum that children are exposed to, is what's going to transcend them from their circumstances or be the magic key to success. And it is happening everywhere. This one-size-fits-all script, pretty Mm -hmm, much. mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, so you
0: mentioned that in one of our other episodes when we had the launch party, and you were like, people were talking like, well, where I am, this is happening. And where I am, this is happening. And you're like, okay, it is the same. So... Just that we want, you know, collective misery, but also
1: just recognize it is it is larger. hmm. Well, I offer it, too, out of like, you're not alone from a space of hope. There's many more of us who are saying this is not working. Back to that
0: inclusivity, the way the writer described, I do remember hearing about this years ago. hmm. Um from a district leader who had described to me right like this new vision of all the services would come to the child in the classroom. Mhm. And I remember just thinking right away like damn that's got to be distracting. You know what I mean like <laughs> that's a lot like yeah. uh, you know to have mm-hmm. all like people and all these other things and I don't know. So mm-hmm. I mean, and that happens in our own work. You know that I've been raging about collaboration Mm -hmm. in terms of the way that it's talked about, that we've moved to to believing that the only way that teachers are really working together is if they're collaborating. And there is a sentiment of like, what is wrong with working alone? Mm -hmm. What is wrong with having time to yourself to think and process and put things together? Um, so I kind of see that relating to this thing with the kids, you know, yeah. of like...
1: How we're getting the same thing.
0: Right. Well, and it's a blend. Like, we're very deliberate in, in teaching with our students that there are whole group strategies, small group strategies, and individual. Mm-hmm. Um, they're important in our life. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like reflective of how our lives and relational uh, aspects work. And... I think that's the issue with the inclusivity is that it's this whole like it's everything all at once. And no, there, you know, nothing is better than the other. Yes, we need to have learning experiences and opportunities in a whole group setting as well as in a small group setting as well as for individuals. But I think that is in the belief that kids who are quote unquote normal can do everything in just a regular classroom. Yep. And that's not great practice, yep. period. Like maybe some kids can manage looking like they're doing okay in the group all day long. But like you said, we all have these needs for the larger group, the smaller group,
1: and by ourselves. Yep. Well, some. Yes, exactly. What I hear is it's very black and white. Like include them all, push them in, whatever the words are. And it's like, what about a blend? And I think, or I know, teachers, educators, we naturally can assess that, be flexible, adapt Mm -hmm. to the needs of children Mm -hmm. in the moment, if we're allowed to. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's why being scripted doesn't work. Yeah. I really appreciated hearing from people. I do believe we got really authentic responses and then bring up some more, you know? Keep them coming. Right. Keep them coming. Um, The survey you can find in our Instagram page within our bio, there's a link tree. Um, otherwise, I've been posting the link nonstop on both platforms. Yep. So, Hey, thank you for bringing that forward
0: as a way to amplify voices mm-hmm. too, because that is what we're about. We want to be amplifying the educator experience. Thanks, everyone who wrote in. Keep writing. Mm-hmm.
1: So let's go into a bit about what we have been hearing lately. We'll hear things and we kind of have interpretations of it. But what I've been hearing a lot, you've been really counseling educators around stories about behaviors increasing in children. And I see that everywhere. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm just giving Like, it's happening everywhere. It's happening everywhere. Um, That just children's behavior is on the rise. And so first, let's just kind of talk about like these behaviors that we're seeing. I think the ones that people are talking about is like aggressive behavior, screaming, yelling, kicking, you know. And it's not screaming in joy. It's screaming like explicit words <laughs> um, from very young, you mm-hmm. know, like elementary school. That's a category of behavior. Mm-hmm. Another category of behavior is just non-attenders. Non-attending is very much increasing, so just not coming to school or coming to school and hiding in the bathroom, hiding underneath stairwells. Right, disengagement. Mm -hmm. And then a behavior that isn't often talked about is we have a lot of students, too, who are coming every day but are just kind of sitting, complying, and trying to get by. Mm -hmm. Passive compliance, it's a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really talked about, but I think we should kind of highlight on this. Yeah. Um, or maybe it's being showcased as anxiety, depression, or kids are saying that. I feel, too, like uh, borderline personality disorder keeps coming up more yeah. and more. I've been hearing a lot about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of these we would describe as behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um And I want to bring this up not to be like, so now we're going to tell you what to do, but more from the place of I want to make a connection for people mm-hmm. about why we think behaviors are on the rise. Mm-hmm. So there's many layers. Mm-hmm. The term
0: used is behaviors, but it really is unmet needs.
1: Yes. I like how you said that. I really see how teachers are frustrated with standardization and one-size-fits-all curriculums. Not having choice in what they're teaching has an effect on children. Mm-hmm. So the increased behaviors is due to the one size fits all curriculum and standardization. And that is not being said right now. Right. It is very much just about like, what do we do? Or it's their home lives or it's their circumstances. Mm-hmm. And while I'm not I'm not stupid, like I know that everything plays a layer. But something we're not talking about is how the standardization of education is not meeting children's needs.
0: And I'm going to go further to Mm -hmm. say not only standardization, but just truly where our focus lies. So we have talked before about using the words from Michael Fullan of the integration of well-being and learning versus academic obsession. Mm -hmm. And so not only is it standardization, It is that we are only addressing one aspect of growth and development, where all of our focus, time... The priority. Yeah, the priority and the resources go to. And so we've talked perhaps before about domains of learning. There's four domains of learning. There's the physical domain, the emotional domain, the social domain, and the intellectual domain, which technically can be classified as, you know, exploration and curiosity. But within our school system, we do kind of call that academics. Mm -hmm. So if there's these four ways that children grow and develop, just think about it for a moment. Mm -hmm. Everything in a school is really centered around one of them. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it like that, that really is like we're dedicated to meeting 25% twenty five percent of a child's needs, <laughs> but we wouldn't say it that way. We'd no. be like, no, this is our role, right mm-hmm. we're we're as a an school. educational institution. as an educational institution, we're supposed to do academics. Our philosophy has always been that of course, we should be more than that mm-hmm. because children are more than that. Mm-hmm. and it's a disproportionate amount of their time spent on one area
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so and now we're seeing like, yeah, and it literally is just like, it's not working. Right. Um, it's not working.
1: Well, and that's why I get into standardization, because at one point, I do think about it even when I was in school, schools within the academics did have like social aspects, emotional aspects, like embedded mm. within what teachers teach. But since now that's been stripped away from teachers and it's very scripted or here's the worksheet that I have to give, it Mm. isolates it. So I don't want people to hear like, oh, I have to take on more of a workload. I'm more like, no, I think us naturally as teachers, we were addressing more of the domains. And now since it's so standardized, it's not.
0: Yeah. Okay. I hear you. You're saying standardization stripped away those things that were more evident before people had the freedom to do. I hear you.
1: Yeah. I hear this a ton from teachers. They'll be like, well, do you think these behaviors were happening pre COVID? And they're like, oh, yeah, it just exaggerated it. When you're isolated in your home for a year and a half, you know, or, you know, or we had to, like, I'm not like just like pointing at COVID. I'm more like, we need to as a system, as a institution respond to the reality so that's why I think it is just like elevated even more these social emotional issues you know and but that's what's so hard for me is that then I hear people talk about it and it's just looked at as like discipline or just like these like isolating or ostracizing the children who are exhibiting the more aggressive behavior it's just really hard because I'm Mm -hmm. like okay how could we bring in more regulation dysregulation language how could we bring in more of an understanding of the whole child of those four domains within their every day mm-hmm. so that it isn't just like, oh, the aggressive behavior? Yeah, well, and so, too, it is just like, hello,
0: we've got to meet the unmet needs.
1: Yep. I always like to say, too, kids are, kids are so smart. Kids know what's up. And kids are expressing that their needs aren't being met, but they're not going to be like, um, excuse me, because there's standardization and because there's global pandemic, I'm not able to fully feel like myself. So can you please help me? You know, like it sounds like, looks like what we're seeing in behaviors. So trying to shift that perspective to like, ooh, needs aren't met. I can really see how learning has been hijacked then. Or like even how we define learning, that it isn't about actual learning, it's about we need to do the standardization. Yeah. And that's what learning is.
0: What we label learning. They say teaching is telling and learning is the lesson. That's, to me, an outdated approach. You know, that's the practice without the neuroscience involved. Mm -hmm. Teaching is telling and learning is the lesson. And that is how a lot of things are structured around that. Mm -hmm. Literally, a lot of that standardized curriculum is structured like that. And then also our own evaluation methods for what would be a good teacher is around what is the teacher telling and just having the lesson. That's pretty um, separated and not integrated. And it's also just on the lower levels of mm. learning, mm. those higher levels, again, are the analyzing, applying teaching is telling, and learning is the lesson in this model that we have right now well, that's making me think about art comparisons.
1: Mhm. Okay, so there's this comparison that we'll talk about, too, about how, so three things. One, thinking about what the system focuses on or schools focus on versus what students focus on. So number one is they're in different time zones. Yep. So the school is very focused on the future. What are we preparing you for? The future. After you graduate. What's going to happen after? After. Where students live in the present moment, mm-hmm. like developmentally, that's where children are at.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, then I talk about the language that we use is in different spaces. As professionals or the the institution, we talk very logically, mm-hmm. um, and students live in the world of emotion, and mm-hmm. children are going to speak vary from the sense of emotion. The final one is what teaching is. And the adult view, I say the adult view, or maybe it's the system view or the institutional view, is that teaching is standards. But the child view is teaching is relational. Do you like me? Do you care about me? Mm. Do you know me? Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. Redefining. It's all out there. Neuroscience, developmentally you know the research is out there it's about making it make sense in our schools and especially that
0: now we are acknowledging that they are needs Mm post-pandemic you know where we are acknowledging like physical health has been impacted social development and growth has been impacted emotional how children feel about themselves and are you know assessing threat
1: Mm
0: -hmm. uh In the world. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I like it.
1: So yeah, you know, I think it's important to continue to hear from people. We want to amplify more people. I'm loving all the people who have reached out and showed their support. Keep, you know, keep it coming. And then also know that we want to continue to amplify you, whether we amplify you from you coming on the podcast, whether we amplify you through filling out our survey, whether we amplify you from you just want to send us an email or... Share comments on the Instagram or Facebook. Yep. We really are here to to amplify what's going on in schools, educator voice, and really save, preserve, transform the education profession. Mm-hmm. The allies are out here. The
0: allies are aligning. The allies are aligning.
1: <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Thanks.
0: Educators Amplified, the podcast, is
1: recorded at Silver City Studios in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Theme music composed by Josh Evert with original music by DJ Drip Sweat. Thank you to our sponsor, WEA Academy.
0: Ed, ed, ed.